Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to the blog. Today, I'd like to talk about the complexity of making healthcare decisions and how we can better understand the moral distress that can be associated with these decisions. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we're required to act in ways that may not feel right to us. For example, I know it was hard to restrict visitation during COVID-19, even though we knew the decision was made to restrict the spread of COVID and protect the health of everyone. These situations can lead to feelings of guilt, self-doubt, frustration, sadness, or even anger. You might feel like you weren't able to provide the best possible care due to the factors out of your control. This is what moral distress looks like. It is the stress response we may feel when our values conflict with the actions we need to take. It can have negative impact on our physical, emotional, psychological, social, and spiritual well-being. We know this takes a lot of toll on us and we wanna help. I've invited a few guests on the blog to talk about moral distress and the ways that we can address it to better support you all. With no further ado, joining me today are Victoria Siebel-Klein, Clinical Ethicist for the Central Zone, Thora Aford, Director of People Experience, Talent Management Strategies, and Michelle Berstow, Interim Lead of Project Management, Workplace Health and Safety. Thank you all three for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Victoria, if it's okay, we're going to start with you. I'd like to start with how you set the stage for our discussion. Can you tell us more about moral distress and what can cause it? As you mentioned, moral distress is the stress reaction we have when we can't act consistency, consistently with our deeply held values. And values means the things that are important to us. There are many things that can prevent us from doing what we think is right, including feeling powerless, not having enough information, fear of damaging relationships that are important for us in doing our work, too many demands on our time and attention, and conflicting obligations to others, like to our patients, our managers, and our colleagues. It can also include policies or decisions made by others, especially when we don't understand or agree with the direction taken. Some of the contributing causes to moral distress that we've learned from providers all across AHS include some pandemic-related decisions, like restrictions on visitation that you mentioned, moral, and not having the resources and staffing to meet patient needs. And this inability to act on what is really important to us can feel like a disconnection or disintegration of the self, which can be really damaging. Thanks very much, Victoria. I've got another question for you. So what are some of the ways to address moral distress? There are lots of different strategies. So first of all, it's important to note that it has to be addressed at multiple different levels. As you mentioned, as we know, healthcare is complex and moral distress is largely a systemic issue. So it can't be addressed only at the individual level. Second of all, we need strategies that address both the symptoms and the causes of moral distress. Symptoms are how we feel about the situation, the stress response, and these can be addressed by the many psychological supports and strategies that we have available. Addressing the cause of the moral distress requires taking a closer look at the values that we couldn't live up to and the broader systemic factors that prevented us from acting in the way that we felt was right. Most of the individual and team-based strategies to address the causes of moral distress involve reestablishing that connection between our actions and our values so that we can repair our sense of integrity or wholeness as a person. So I'm gonna highlight uh, four key strategies at these levels. One, reflecting on our values. So what is the value that we weren't able to live up to in a particular situation? And what are other ways that we might be able to live up to that value? Two, connecting with others. This can be through informal or formal conversations with people that we trust. These conversations can help us reflect on our values 
and they can also help create a sense of shared purpose and shared experience. Three, finding ways to learn from the experience. This can be done through team reviews or debriefs, as well as by sharing the impacts of policies or decisions up through the organization to try to create positive change. And four, rediscovering the meaning in our work. We can do this by trying to reframe or reinterpret difficult experiences in a way that allows us to focus on what's meaningful to us. Organizationalist strategies include, first of all, supporting the strategies that we know are helpful for individuals and teams, as well as setting up the conditions in the organization that we know can prevent and mitigate moral distress. So these conditions include having supportive relationships between leaders at all levels, a practice of sharing the rationale for decisions so that people have the information that they need and have a better sense of the values trade-offs being made, and being open to hearing the impacts of decisions on others. It also involves just acknowledging the existence and the importance of moral distress providing training to leaders to address it with their staff or direct reports, and generally just normalizing discussion of ethical issues throughout the organization. Thank you so much for that. That is a great segue into my next question. So Michelle, we're gonna go over to you now. Can you tell us how peer support can help manage moral distress and how AHS is supporting staff and physicians in this regard? Victoria mentioned the idea of connecting with others through supportive conversations as being one of those ways to help manage moral distress and peer support is just that. Many of us have a colleague that we're close with that we lean on for support or to have a conversation with during tough times. However, peer support is slightly different than that when practiced in a formal setting. So within AHS, peer support is seen as formalized emotional, social and practical support between colleagues. So a peer and maybe uh, a group of peers with a peer supporter uh, who share a common experience. So maybe they work at the same site or within the same profession. The difference between this and that informal conversation with a friend at work is that peer supporters are trained to listen to, to empathize with, and to refer individuals to other supports like a mental health professional or other resources related to well-being as needed. So they're specifically trained to help out with connecting people to get the support that they need. Within AHS, peer support has actually been practiced all over the organization in pockets for many years and workplace health and safety is currently learning from this great work that's been happening and is, is working to develop an organization wide approach to peer support. So what does this look like? Uh, there's an advisory group working on developing a framework for teams or sites to use to start up a peer support group that's really customized to suit their specific needs. There's also groups of individuals that are hard at work at building out training for peer supporters to help prepare them for their role, uh, as well as working through how to implement this framework and training with the goal of launching the program by late spring or early summer of this year, so coming very soon. Thora, over to you now. We know moral distress is a contributing factor to burnout, and many of the people are feeling the effects of this. Can you speak to the work AHS is doing in terms of burnout and how we're helping out staff and physicians? Absolutely. Burnout is a complex topic with a variety of factors that contribute to it, and it can be different for everybody. So we've started by doing a lot of listening. We wanna hear from our colleagues across the province. We've started off by doing a pulse survey. Um, we have done a lot of listening tours and followed up with some additional surveys. And what this gives us a chance to do is to really listen and hear directly from our colleagues across the province so we can see what's help, what we can do to help them and how they're experiencing burnout. We are listening, we are learning, <laughs> and probably most importantly, we're taking action. 
we are continuing to find valuable resources and support for individuals and for managers looking to support their teams. For individuals, there's a variety of tools and assessments available. There's personal coaching available, and there's free access to a valuable and very popular app. For managers, there's lots of tools to help guide how you can help support a team that may be struggling. There's also personal coaches available, and along with access to sort of coaching circles so they can share and learn from their peers. We have a team now that's working on how to get the, all these resources, services, and programs organized so that they can be easy to access for anyone who needs them. As you can imagine, there is quite a bit. There's a lot of them. So we think we'll, you'll start to sort of see more and more valuable resources uh, available to you, and we're going to continue to get the feedback. So please uh, keep sharing with us, you know, how we can help, and we will keep listening and working on solutions. That is fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise on such an important topic and for the three of you joining me here today and for telling us more about the work that's underway to reduce the incidence of moral distress amongst our people. To tell everyone out there across AHS, reach out if you need help. We take this topic very seriously and doing what we can to create an environment that limits your experiences of moral distress. If you'd like to learn more about moral distress, there are resources available on our people strategy and the clinical ethics service webpages on Insight. I also encourage you to check out the psychological safety and mental health resources on Insight. You can find these by searching psychological safety. To close things out today, I wanna to thank everyone for their dedication to Albertans and to each other. Our care for one another embodies who we are and what we do, and we're here for one another. Take care everyone, thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.